Once again, the west coast of the United States is on fire. It's growing. Some of these fires, 0% containment. Windy again. It's a god-awful situation. May we have some rain, please. So I tweeted angrily, semi-angrily today, and I never beg for retweets because it's pathetic and sad. Uh, But I am now. I would like this to be spread far and wide as much as possible and as quickly as possible. Hey, I'm not going to say the at because it's distracting. Hey, Washington Post, New York Times, NBC News, and even Fox News, if the KKK called itself a civil rights organization, would you describe them that way in your stories? No? Then stop describing Antifa as an anti-fascist group. They are precisely the opposite. Thank you, I am through. And I say that because the WAPO in particular, while describing the terrorism of the Tucker Carlson home, described Antifa as an anti-fascist group. Fox News did last night. It's It's effing ridiculous. You wouldn't think you could play that sort of a game as the uh, the evildoers? How stupid are you, news people? You wouldn't think you could pull that off. They've got to be. They got to be slapping their heads, saying, "I can't." So, where did this come from? I, oh, this is from Business Insider. They've got right here: anti-racism activists protested outside Fox News host Tucker wow. Carlson's home last night. So they call themselves anti-racist activists. So you call them that? Never mind that they're domestic terrorists or a number of other things that they'll be charged with when they're caught. Right. They're just anti-racism activists. Those who violently suppress speech. The anti-racism activists. The anti-fascists. Oh, my God. We are so ill-served by our media. I don't, I don't have any concept of how many of you know who Tucker Carlson is. I watch cable news. I'm in this business. Not that many people watch cable news. No. It's, it's Thank God. Shows that... And if you don't, don't start. It's like smoking. <sighs> and if you catch your kil- children watching cable news, spank them. Shows that have hosts that are household names, at least among news junkies, have hundreds of thousands of people watching nationwide. Right. If it were a regular television show, you'd say, why is this still on the air? <laughs> right. Tucker Carlson, though, he's been on for years. He was a, a fixture on CNN. He was the count, uh, point-counterpoint guy on the right, wore a bow tie for the longest time, and has been a part of that world for quite a number of years. Very bright young man. I think when I... F- First discovered him, it's when him and Rachel Maddow, I first discovered when they had a show together on CNN. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah. yeah. They did one together? Yeah. And they were both, uh, they're both really smart people, Mm -hmm. and they were both toned down smart people versions of themselves. And it was actually a really good show. They'd take on an issue, she'd present her side, he'd present his side, and it was really good, but it got no traction because it wasn't angry enough it wasn't it wasn't loud and explosive it was sober and smart it wasn't glossing over some facts that might go against your argument enough right and they were two of the most perfect people to do that sort of show too because mm-hmm. they're both super smart but but they've both jettisoned that format in favor of what's more popular <laughs> yeah and now they do what they both do and they're still really good at it which but. goes to show once again for the umpteenth time our career path is idiotic but anyway, you had a crowd of this, uh, they call themselves Smash Racism D.C. No, they, they just smash things and people. A Washington, D.C.-based activism group, according to Business Insider. Uh, so they actually blocked off the street in front of Tucker Carlson's house on both ends, which would scare the frig out of you. 
And then a whole bunch of people showed up at his house and started pounding on his door. And here's some of the chanting. I couldn't understand all of that, but it the, the main gist of it was, Tucker Carlson, we know where you sleep at night. Then they started pounding on his door. He wasn't home. He was at work. None of his four kids were there, thank God. His wife was, though, and she went and hid in the pantry and called 911 as they were pounding on the door, screaming and chanting, we know where you sleep at night, and they actually cracked his door. But right. you'd, you'd think you're going to die. I would. I Well, I would get my gun because I have a gun. Right. And uh, at the point that the door's cracking, do you start firing at the door? You might. Because if the door comes down and you, you don't know how many people are out there and they're and all how rushing quickly you. they're going to come in. Or yeah. if they're armed. Right. Right. I don't know what you do if that, that happens. And they were publishing and waving around uh, various people's private addresses. Some of the people who Tucker Carlson criticizes the most are coming to his defense since that happened, though. After, again, it says here, an anti-racist group protested outside his house. So that's an anti-racist group. Well, we're all in favor of that. And they were just protesting, which is your constitutional right. Well, as Tucker Carlson, I don't mean to steal your thunder if you were about to go here. Tucker made it quite clear and quite eloquently. They were not protesting. They were not arguing any particular point. They were not asking for anything. They were not even advocating a particular point of view. They were purely there to threaten him and his family. Well, Washington, D.C. police are investigating it as a hate crime, which you almost never see the whole hate crime thing against white people, Um, even though if you're going to have it, and I think hate crimes is kind of a dumb concept, but if you're going to have it, you got to have it for everybody. Absolutely. But the D.C. police are investigating it as a hate crime. CNN journalists, including Anna Navarro and Oliver Darcy, as well as late show host Stephen Colbert. And Washington Post columnist Eric Wemple all denounced the protesters, once again, protesters. Carlson had ridiculed all of their work on his Fox News show at various points, and many of them have criticized Carlson's show themselves in the past. Which is fair game. Sure. Uh, Stephen Colbert tweeted yesterday, Fighting Tucker Carlson's ideas is an American right. Targeting his home and terrorizing his family is an act of monstrous cowardice. Obviously, don't do this. But also, take no pleasure in it happening. Feeding monsters just makes more monsters. So he's speaking to his crowd who might think, yay, I'm glad that happened. No, don't be glad that happened. That's not good for anybody. Because, you know, I mean, come on. You know the next step is people who hate Stephen Colbert doing that to him and his family. That's where this goes. You know, I would hope I live in a world surrounded by human beings that don't need, oh, my side could be next to realize something is wrong. I would hope that. I would probably be frustrated in that hope. If something is wrong, it is wrong because it is wrong. But it also clearly will spread until both sides are escalating the violence and the hate. And we have a situation that's completely out of control. I appreciate very much Stephen Colbert uh, coming out as strongly as he did and as eloquently as he did. I also appreciate Business Insider, which is rather notoriously left for printing that. Uh, In spite of their rather... 
the lukewarm condemnation of Antifa. Re- referring to these people as protesters. Right. Uh, Eric Wemple of the Washington Post tweeted, I, too, dislike what at Tucker Carlson says on television, in books, etc., but this kind of doorstep intimidation is reprehensible. Please respect his family's domestic life. Oh, yeah, they, uh, the, they put out on the Internet pictures of his house with the address. Uh, also, his brother and his former college roommate and a number of other people that live in his yeah, neighborhood. With they, whom he started the Daily Caller website. Yeah. So that's, uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, and Anna Navarro, uh, who is a uh, somebody Tucker Carlson beats up on all the time. She's on, what did I say she's on? CNN, whatever she's on. Uh, she said, don't like someone on TV? Turn it off. Change the channel. Let their advertisers know. Tweet them your opinion. But come on, don't show up at their home and scare their kids. They were threatening me and my family, quote, Tucker Carlson's home targeted by protesters. She quotes the Washington Post story. So here it is boiled down. You have a an assortment of maladjusted teens, 20 and 30 somethings and some truly mentally ill people uh, beyond those ages who have decided that they are the sole judges of what is acceptable speech, what are acceptable ideas. And anybody who expresses ideas they don't like will be terrorized in their homes. Tucker Carlson and others now, if it happens to Anna Navarro, for instance, if it happens to Stephen Colbert, they will say precisely what Tucker Carlson said. I'm afraid to leave my children home now. So you have a situation where people are terrified for their families, If they express their political views, and again, the arbiter of that, the judge of that, and the uh, administrator of punishment is a bunch of maladjusted freaks who believe in violence suppressing speech. Are you comfortable with that? Any of you? Anybody? Then you have to speak out against it. We're on the West Coast, so we saw the birth of Antifa and these tactics and everything like that. And, and the tolerance of them by right. left-wing municipalities and cities and, and counties. And we've been amazed now for a couple of years how the media has not caught on to what's going on here and called it what it is. Right. It's violating people's constitutional rights to 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 gather and protest. The, 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 the market watch and other people calling these people protesters they show up and keep other people from actually protesting right they beat you down if you want to speak or scare witness, you off from ever showing up in the first place right witness the insanity on the the campus of uc berkeley where i mean mildly conservative speakers were hounded off the campus by the threat of and or actual violence. People getting their heads caved in with bike locks because they dared express a, a view different than would be tolerated by the, the mentally ill of Antifa. And towns like Berkeley and San Jose and Portland say, that's ah, okay. It's, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're threatening the other side, so we're fine with it. All right. How are you, how are you so dim to think that this is not going to escalate to where everybody's at threat? You know, intelligence is not knowledge and knowledge is not wisdom. And there's an incredible lack of wisdom floating around these days. I don't know what to do about it. Um, Colbert, I particularly like Stephen Colbert um, speaking to the people who would look at this and think, all right, glad Tucker Carlson's getting what he deserved. Um, because he realizes that's part of the problem, too. And he knows his audience, how much they get whipped up when he makes his various anti-Trump jokes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I would like to know what percentage of people out there if Tucker Carlson were on the ground in his front yard being kicked by these people, what percentage of people would say, all right, good? There's a chunk. I think, There's it, a would, chunk. I think it would be terrifying. Yeah, it'd be double digits, I'll bet. Yeah, guaranteed. Which is really frightening. And same on the other side.
That's really frightening. Who's a, who's a, who's a Tucker Carlson on the, the left? Pick one. Uh, Don Lemon. Don Lemon. If he's on the ground getting kicked by some people, what percentage of the people would say, all right, cool? I'll bet it's double digits. That's I'll disturbing. bet it's similar. That's your first question. Yeah. yeah. Hey, speaking of divisions, some astounding election results from places that are cheek by jowl. They, they're next door to each other. And what that means about the electoral system and government and... And going forward in America, I mean, these numbers just, you can't even believe they're true, but they are. A flight attendant breastfed a stranger's baby on the plane. I didn't even know that was an option. Is that what I usually go with the sparkling water. Peanuts? Soda? Want me to breastfeed that baby for you? Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, artificial intelligence news readers and gatherers. Uh, one, it's cheaper. Two, your authoritarian regimes can really uh, use that and not have to worry about uh, some news anchor getting a conscience. Sure, just tweak the algorithm a little bit. We will uh, get into that later. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, indeed. And the fact that it's cheaper means it will get used a lot in America. America! I feel like hell. Thank you, Dan. Uh, So, listen, we had an interesting uh, text exchange last night with a friend. And we'd made reference uh, Wednesday after Election Day to... You know, the the real divide that I think we all ought to be talking about, and this is not this is not a like a yelling at each other R and D thing. You know what so. I determined after the midterm election? We're a divided country. Wow, thank you for that insight. That's some good stuff there. No way a computer replaces that. So uh, <laughs> uh but uh, so you know, everybody calm the hell down. Um the really, really interesting divide, if we were to look at our country as another country, which I think is useful sometimes. I try to do this as a guy who studied, you know, political science for years and years. Um, if you looked at another country that has uh, one 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 description, one part of the country, specifically urban areas, that has a particular philosophy and votes a certain way and does so in overwhelming numbers, and then you have another part of the country, region, that had a wildly different political political philosophy, and then you had an area in the middle that kind of swings back and forth, depends on what's going on. Um, what would you suggest that country made up a stand, we'll call it? Very pleasant place. Thriving economy, happy people, nice military. You hear stand and you think craziness. No, not not made up a stand. What would you suggest they do to avoid hating each other? Love to hear your essays at you know, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Keep them short, for the love of God. Uh, so, uh, we were corresponding with a friend last night who pointed out, and he's uh, he is from the northern half of California, so he's using certain examples. Um, but this is true all over the country. Uh, it's absolutely true. Yeah, you could name any state. In fact, I was looking at the Oregon electoral map yesterday, um, and it's it's precisely the same point. So, in uh, Corruptifornia, you had a fellow by the name of John Cox running as a Republican. Uh, he was beat like a gong by one Gavin Newsom. 
uh, who's a, a progressive Democrat, or at least he pretends to be, because it's useful. Anyway, so in Yuba County, which is a kind of suburban to rural county, Northern California, Cox the Republican beat Newsom two to one. More than two. Well, yeah, almost precisely two to one. And the gas tax would have been repealed by a 62.5 to 37.5 margin. Now, those are opposite of the electoral results for the state. Uh, Sutter County of California, which is primarily rural, um, had it 65-35 for Cox. Gas tax repeal 61-39. to Now, Yolo County, which is a sub- mostly suburban county, it includes uh, University of California, Davis. Is that right? Um, uh, Newsom won 2-1. to and the gas tax remained at almost two to one. Um, Modoc County uh, might be my favorite, writes our friend. Cox won three to one, and the gas tax was repealed two to one. Um, and you can drive from, oh, and of course, San Francisco County. Uh, Gavin Newsom beat Cox 85 to 15, and the gas tax won 82 to 18, keeping it. You'd have thought Cox would have been more popular in San Francisco. You can, <laughs> you can drive from County A with the uh, extreme result in the one direction to County B or C or whatever, all those counties. There is not an hour between county with one result and county with the other result. What you I, know, there, there's, some of them are farther apart, but you could get from county with uh, the result A to county with result B in an hour. In all yeah. those examples. So I got to use the T word again. Oh, Lord. You already made an unfit. Well, the tribe word. Oh. Um, which is maybe the most important concept currently bouncing around America, though I am tired of the T word. Um, yeah, how much of it? Used. How much of it is a, is a tribal thing? This is just what we, we, we believe. We're red people or we're blue people. Or how, and how much of it is actually a policy thing? That our lives are this much different as rural people than as urban people that we want this policy. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to imagine that you live in an urban area, you want to pay more for gas, right? Well, I think it's both, and and if it were merely one or the other, I don't think it could get going as strong as it does. There are sincere differences in need for the government, no doubt. I mean, the urban people, city people need different stuff from the government and more government and more yeah. involvement and more rules and all because they're crammed together. And I'm then from you- small town rural America, and I was thinking of my brother where it's as red as it can be. They don't want the government around at all. Right. The less government, the better, and everybody agrees. You combine that with the political party successfully getting us to tie our egos to a political party, and you get the stew that we have right now. I don't see how this would ever end. Until one side just so dominates the other side that it no longer is a discussion. And then you have the ingredients for really bad stuff. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Uh, Fires continuing their rampage in the West. Trump on the tarmac. Highlights from this morning's impromptu news conference and adults' favorite YouTube videos. Okay. Fantastic. I like ducks. Ducks are funny. All good stuff coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
I guess the interesting thing really is, and you looked at uh, at after the 2016 election, you looked at the map, um, it, we're, we're almost evenly divided in a country of 300-some million people between people who have that red attitude and people who have that blue attitude, and it's, al- it's, it's almost uh, entirely can be uh, determined by the kind of surroundings you're in, whether it's urban or rural. Right. And it's almost even right now, it, but more people are, are moving to cities as has happened for centuries now, and eventually that side will overwhelm the other side, and then that'll be the end of that level of division, I guess. The part that I'm really interested in is is messaging for the suburbs, messaging for the educated folks in the suburbs who are, uh, especially having sat through college classes where they were indoctrinated for years, who are especially susceptible to nice-sounding rhetoric that doesn't actually work, in my opinion, or this bizarre 21st century brand of racism masked as uh, as uh, racial activism. Uh, they've proved, the suburbs have proved particularly susceptible to that messaging. I don't know if it will last. Um, people in the suburbs, and this is a gross generalization, but it saves time, and aren't we all so busy these days? Um, people in the suburbs generally just want Placidity. They don't want Sturm and Drong. They want their kids to be safe and protected. Good schools, no drama. And right now, you avoid drama by going with the progressive line. And I think a lot of voters are going along to get along because they've heard that's the way they ought to vote. I wonder if that'll last. Bad news for Marshall. Artificial intelligence is going to take over newscasting. We've got uh, the audio from the very first AI news anchor coming up in a little bit. So, Marshall, enjoy it while it lasts. But right now, the news with a human being, Marshall Phillips. Uh, More than 20 million people in California under red flag warnings this morning. Winds driving wildfires up and down the state. In the northern California foothills, the town of Paradise is all but destroyed. And now uh, Cal Fire this morning is reporting the campfire in Butte County has grown to 70,000 acres with zero containment. As the wind-driven fires continue to burn on Thursday, first responders were in a frantic effort to get people out of harm's way. Here's a bit of what they were up against. We've got the road completely blocked. We need somebody to be able to open it up and get these people out of here. County units, be advised, on Clark Road at Skyway, there's a woman in labor. She's in a beige Honda Pilot. She can see one of our deputies. She's going to be honking her horn. At the River Hospital, we've got four people trapped in the basement. Tell them to shelter in place. Just some of what they were up against yesterday. Yeah, Scott, and into, the speed with which that fire exploded yes. is just mind-blowing. You go yes. into labor, you're in a traffic jam on a two-lane road with a fire coming up behind you. That's a bad situation. First responders are such impressive people. Oof. President Trump is leaving for Paris this morning for the commemoration of the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. Yes, be- I was going to talk about that later as uh, Sunday is November 11th, the original November 11th. The end of World War One is 100 years ago, and I want to talk about World War One later. I'm a big fan. Trump engaging in an impromptu news conference on the tarmac, covering a number of things, like the Ninth Circuit's uh, Court of Appeals decision to uh, rule that Trump does not have the authority to get rid of DACA, the program allowing illegals who were brought to the U.S. as children to stay in the U.S. Trump is saying that's good news. The good news is, by rejecting DACA in the Ninth Circuit yesterday... Finally, we've been waiting for that. We get to the Supreme Court, and we want to be in the Supreme Court on DACA. As for Democrats chalking up more wins in House races... Whether they get a couple of more House seats doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But you notice the votes never go the other way? 
They hire lawyers, and the votes don't ever seem to go the Republican way. Although I hear, I don't know, you tell me, it's always the Democrats. It's always GPS fusion. It's always crooked stuff. Look, look at what happened. How many FBI are gone? How many Justice Department people are gone? That I found out, that I found out, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in this country, and we're finding out, and I'm getting to the bottom of it. You know, a lot of talk this week with Trump kicking Acosta out of the press pool, that is limiting access to power now that he gives more answers to more questions than any president has ever. Right. By far. The amount of time, because 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 he's undisciplined, <laughs> really. It's not because of some major transparency thing he's got going. He just, if you get him stopped. He likes to talk. Yeah, he likes <laughs> to talk. You get him stopped somewhere, cornered somewhere, and start asking him questions, he just keeps going and going and going, yep. and usually digs himself a hole on a bunch of issues. We'll have some more highlights uh, from uh, Trump on the tarmac coming up through the morning. <laughs> got a new Pew Research Center survey that found about half of all adult YouTube users say that YouTube videos are very important in their lives because they help them figure out how to do things they've oh, never done before. I do that all the time. Oh, it's incredibly useful. Yep. Particularly uh, true for younger adults, 53% of YouTube users between 18 and 29 say the site is extremely important for them to learn how to do things. I've talked to older folks in recent weeks and explained to them, you know, YouTube can show you how to fix anything. Oh, yeah. I did just the other day. I can't remember what it was, but there's something in there. I just looked up the model I have. Yep. And uh, and said, how do you do this? And there's like 15 videos of various lengths showing you exactly how to do it. Yeah, I realize this is not exactly rewiring your uh, solar system or anything like that. But uh, our uh, insane, formerly suicidal dog, Baxter, ran through a screen door the other day and yeah. jumped on YouTube. How do you replace the screening in a screen door? And we did it. Yeah, I've, got, I've gone on there to learn tips from everything about how to flip an egg to, like, reprogramming remotes that I no longer have the, the manual The key to for. flipping yeah. oh, an yeah. egg, oh, Sean. Yeah. The key to flipping the egg is commitment. If you go at it, I kid, I think I want to flip it. It's not going to work. you got to thrust that spatula under Like, you're the boss of that egg. It's weird because you got to go to the outside decisive. of the... Yeah, you got to go. I want to get to the point where I can just flip it just right with the pan where I do that cool chef flip. Right? Oh, like, oh, oh right. well, that's advanced stuff. Yeah, that is. that's what I'm working towards. The programming a remote, that's a good one. No yeah. matter what brand you have, there's a YouTube video to show Thank you. Thank you for that because we just switched, switched our system and I'm a little mystified. Anyway, I would challenge any AI newscaster to deliver the information with the same panache that I do. I'm Marshall Phillips <laughs> in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's what you're known for, your panache and your gambling. It's what everybody says. Hey, a quick question for Marshall, a little bonus mailbag from Christine. Yep. We were talking about placebos the other day and how effective they are, and actually got some really great follow-up information on that way I ought to grab, but... Uh, made me start thinking about when Marshall announced he was thinking of going in on uh, experimental treatment for your eye, right? Yes. Was it your eye? Yes. And, and the, the doctor said they were going to either give you a brand new promising drug or a placebo, and she couldn't remember whether you went through with it or not. I did not go through with it. And why was that? Partly because you might get a placebo? No, there were a number of uh, things that uh, got in the way. The timing of the treatments, where the treatment, where I'd have to go for the treatments, and the fact that it was a year and a half, once a month, needle in the eye. Oh, and- yeah! You had me at needle in the eye. And, and that no, all of the doctors wore eye patches. No, <laughs> that was the other and thing. No guarantees I was a, and the screams actually, from the rooms. Right. <laughs> no guarantees I was going to actually get the uh, drug. Yes, right. I'm here, Marshall Phillips, to check in. I think I should. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't hear you, sir. Ah! 
<laughs> and on your way out, Mr. Phillips, you'll want to stop by the uh, guide dog lobby where we have six or eight guide dogs ready for you. I'm sorry, wonderful... I couldn't hear your name. They're screaming behind me. <laughs> yes, John? We have wonderful guide dog pamphlets in very large print for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Jeez, a ah, needle the in the side. eye. <laughs> oh, boy. Beats um, a sharp needle in the eye. There you artificial go. intelligence taking over the news business. Certainly going to in China and North Korea and places like that. And probably to a certain extent in America. We'll let you know what it sounds like coming up. I'll keep a cardboard box handy. It'll be talk hosts next. Also, a great rebuke to the concept of toxic masculinity that happened in that horrifying shooting the other day. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. Today we're... dog piled over the side there were multiple men that would that got on their knees and pretty much blocked all of us with their back towards the shooter ready to take a bullet for any single one of us mm. and just the amount of people that um, made sure everyone got out okay or if they were out they made sure they went around to every single person around them and asked them if they're okay and if they needed a phone to call their family or just just in general any way that you could help it was it was awesome. Another display of toxic masculinity. Evil males. Men acting like men. That needs to be stomped right. out. Right. Any of that aggressive attitude that men are born with is just toxic. Or and protecting women like they need protection. Right. From a physical threat. Which How part, dare they? Which is actually part of rape culture. That idea that you need to protect them. Uh, this is a young woman uh, celebrating her 21st birthday on country night there at the bar when a shooter came in and started killing people, and a bunch of guys got around her and her friends to protect them. That's the sort of thing guys are more likely to do just because of the way we're wired. I was just reading about that, uh, oddly enough. Uh, vast numbers, uh, virtually, I think it's 80% of immediate danger stranger interventions to save life are dudes. On the other hand, women are, by a smaller majority, but by a majority, will uh, do the long-term slow uh, standing up for something uh, moral, though it endangers them. Protecting Jews during the Holocaust, for instance, um, which is an interesting uh, contrast between the sexes. But once again, we arrive at the notion of the sweet spot. The idea that because some guys and their masculinity is you know, abusive or offensive. Therefore, we must demonize maleness. That's the philosophy of the effing stupid. Man, those guys go, uh, willing to put their bodies between those girls and the shooter. That's just sick, protecting women and treating like them like they can't protect themselves. And then going around to check on other people. I'll bet some of them were even white males, which is the worst Oh, kinds. my God. Oh, my God. They need to be banned. Um. Yeah, so, you know, obvious heavy sarcasm there. So... Is uh, AI going to take over newscasting? Well, probably not in America. I'll bet we see some of it, though. It might take over newscasting in China. Here's what it sounds like. 
Hello, everyone. I'm an English artificial intelligence anchor. This is my very first day in Xinhua News Agency. My voice and appearance are modeled on Zhang Zhao, a real anchor with Xinhua. The development of the media industry calls for continuous innovation and deep integration with the international advanced technologies. Maybe you could work on the emphasis. I'm sure that will get better. I'm sure it will get better. But so they have footage of human anchors. If you've seen this sort of thing before, right? Well, it's actually kind of like what Conan O'Brien used to do on his show all the time. But you've seen footage of anchors, and then they animate parts of the mouth yes. and face to turn the speaker into a virtual In puppet. The year 2000. <laughs> and uh, so then you got these anchor puppets combined with the synthesized hmm, voice that has been synthesized. Um, and then, of course, they can read whatever news the government wants to put out. Right, and and it's not much of a step back from a lot of real news anchors who have straight teeth and symmetrical eyes, and that's why they're employed. And they're reasonably good readers, yeah. which, you know, is, is a good thing. I think we all remember grade school when the better readers allowed or were uh, admired by their peers. As the Chinese government says, each anchor can work 24 hours a day on its official website and various social media platforms, reducing news production costs and improving efficiency. And doesn't need to get real breast implants. <laughs> We can just dial up the uh, the boob setting. That put a lot of traffic girls and weather ladies out of work, wouldn't it? And I feel bad. I, I listen. This is not belittling women in the news. This is being on the side of women in the news. A lot of whom are absolutely terrific thinkers and writers and journalists. But if you are a terrific thinker and writer and journalist, and a gal comes along with bigger fake boobs, you're out of a job. That's rough. Of course, you know. You get into the shallow money trench that is TV, and eh, you ought to know what you're signing up for. Buy the ticket, take the ride. So Michelle Obama's got a new book out. It's her memoir. Let me tell you what you're going to hear about it today, because we're stupid, 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 stupid country with a stupid, stupid media. I know I am. Go on. Um, and it might have just been the pu- the publicist might have did this. I don't know if the publicist came up with this because they thought it was the best hook for Michelle Obama's new book, or it's just the media. But she has like two paragraphs At the very end of the book, on the second to last page, criticizing Trump. Yes. And that is the headline all day long. Fight! fight. Look, everybody, fight! Michelle Obama takes on Trump in new book. Well, if you're going to buy your book to read about Trump, uh, you might want to skip to the second to last page and read the two paragraphs about Trump, because that's all there is. The rest of it's about her life growing up, working class, meeting Barack, blah, 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 blah. You're either into that or you're not. Does Um, she touch on her no-show job at the Chicago hospital that didn't exist before or after she held it? Hmm? They talk about that, hmm? I'm not, I'm not big on the lives of first spouses, so it's not in a book I'm going to look to. But the yeah. media, of course, making it seem like it's all about Trump because everything's about Trump. So. There's a big old panel the other day, a bunch of uh, left-leaning media talking heads and uh, and big old Michael Moore were chatting, and, and he was lecturing them angrily. He predicted the victory of Trump, you may recall, Michael Moore. Uh, though he is uh, left to Trotsky, he has a very good grip on working-class America. Um, he, he understands that which he doesn't agree with, which is a, a, an admirable quality. Right. Um, but he was lecturing them. They were bringing up Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, and he said, No! No! And he was fired up. He said, You're not going to beat Donald Trump with a politician. It's got to be a beloved American. Hmm. A beloved American. And then Michelle Obama's name came up, and everybody's like, right, right, Michelle Obama. 
Interesting. And I thought, huh, that's that's odd. Are you following this whole Molly Hemingway, Gerald Nadler story? Are you following that? Are you familiar no, with that? I, I know who they both are. So day realize, after the election. Are they, are they dating? No. That's an after, odd coupling. He's old as hell. <laughs> day after the election, this uh, Nadler dude, who's a congressperson, Democrat, um, he's on the train talking loudly on the phone. Oh, right. About political strategy and that sort of thing. I and Molly Hemingway, who's a reporter for the Washington. The Federalist, I the think. The Federalist. Yeah. She's a reporter, happens to be sitting right across from him, and he doesn't know she's a reporter. Well, and I think she's like the editor in chief. I mean, she's big. Right. And she's a, right. she's a conservative right winger, and he's right. a he's a liberal Democrat, and he's talking loudly on the phone. Right. And she's been reporting for the last couple of days on all the things that he said out loud. Please. About how his committee, because he's now the chair of his committee, is going to go after Trump for this and that and all that sort of stuff. But uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is whoever he was talking to on the phone, he said, look, we have become a different party. We've lost the working class vote. That used to be our base who we are. And now Trump's got it. Wow. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. He recognizes that we're we're something different now, which is what Michael Moore was saying. Right. Right. Kicking the Nadler. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, a fair amount of news has come out of that conversation. But, you know, what they say in Washington is a gaffe. Uh, a gaffe is when a politician is caught telling the truth. They're recounting votes in Florida, and flight attendants are now breastfeeding your children. Finally. For you, with their with their boob, not yours, so you can continue to read your magazine or whatever. Sure, maybe my boobs are tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, you're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> 